So we're so thankful for our moms, obviously, and we're you know just grateful, and we've been shaped significantly by our relationships with our moms. And, uh, and you know, I feel like right now I, I don't have an echo, mom echo, but I want to ask, Mom, did my shirt and my pants match? Is, they, is it okay? So we're in the middle of a sermon series on uh, the purpose of life. And I want to ask you this morning, if I were to ask you, who are you? You probably would tell me your name, maybe your occupation, your hobbies, uh, maybe where you grew up. Uh, we might identify ourselves by our family relationships. You know, on Mother's Day, it would be important for me to acknowledge that uh, I am Carol Gibson's son, and I have an awesome and a wonderful, loving mom. And uh, mom's watching online right now, so I'm just going to say, hey, mom, I love you on Mother's Day. Grateful for you. So you got to score those brownie points when you can on Mother's Day. All these external things that we might use to identify ourselves are a part of us, but they're not permanent, or not all of them. They may be facts about who you are today, but... I bet if I were to ask you the same question 10 years from now, some of your answers or your responses would change. And so we're in the midst again of the sermon series called Life on Purpose and exploring what the Bible has to say about the meaning and the purpose of life. And we often ask questions in the back of our minds, you know, what is the purpose of life? Uh, What defines me? Uh, What does life really uh, matter? What in life really matters? What's my identity? Where do I base my identity Um, Our identity informs everything we do. I heard someone say one time, there is no self-knowledge without knowledge of God. And I want us just to turn to God's Word to see what God uh, tells us. And He's created us, and therefore I think we we can listen to Him and how He informs us in terms of who we are. So I'm going to invite you to turn to Psalm 139, verses 13 and 14, the The passage is also going to be on the screen as well as I read this uh, passage. Again, Psalm 139, 13 and 14. God's Word tells us that you, God, God created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. We know from God's Word that God doesn't create junk, right? Uh, Pastor Doug talked about in his first message in this sermon series that we're all made in God's image and that we're created for connection with God, but also connection with each other. And too often, I think we don't look to God's word uh, for the basis of our identity, and we try to find our worth and our security in other things and some things that are wrong. Uh, just to give you some examples of places that we might look, sometimes we look inside. Uh, we might try to identify ourselves by our personality, by our abilities. You know that I'm an ESTP on the Myers-Briggs, I'm an extrovert or I'm an introvert, or I'm a naturally kind person or a caring, caring person or a determined person. And all these things may be true, but they're probably not true all the time. Ultimately, if we look to ourselves to determine our worth, we probably recognize that at times we're not all that we should be, that we fall short at times. Sometimes we look to our roles to define our identity, but if we think about it, that can be a trap. Our occupation, you know, like a nurse, a sales rep, uh, a teacher, or a stay-at-home mom. These things can be our roles, but they don't ultimately determine who we are. And if we're honest, these roles are for a season. Some are longer than others. And sometimes in, sometimes these circumstances that are around us, we can't always do the, the role that we want to do. And that's certainly true of right now during the COVID-19 uh, challenge. That there, Many of us are being challenged because we're not doing what we uh, are doing, normally doing our occupation. And so therefore, because we're so tied closely to our um, 
our identity to what we do, sometimes we're questioning our value when we can't do the things that are so important to us. The challenge with being tied to roles is that roles are temporary, which leads us asking the question, uh, is there anything lasting that we can base our identity upon? Sometimes we base our identity not on what we do, but on what's been done to us. Sometimes we might, some of us might have feelings of, you know what, uh, we were wrong somehow, uh, I've been abused in my life, or somebody mistreated me, or I've been disappointed by someone, and we sometimes allow these things to take hold of our identity. And yet there's hope in Christ to make even these difficult situations or painful situations in our history to make even these things new. And sometimes we can let our patterns of sin behavior uh, uh, shape our identity. You know, that we're an addict or we're a people pleaser or an angry person. And we can let our sins tell who we are. We can base our identity on other people, like a spouse or a significant other who we have or who we want to be in a relationship, but maybe we don't have that relationship. Or we can base our identity in our kids or base our identity on a group of friends that, again, we either have or we don't have. And this can be especially challenging if you're a middle school or a high school student. You know, it's so important at that age, it feels like it anyway, about what type of group of friends you have around you. The problem with basing our identity on other people is that at some point, people are going to let us, let us down. They all will at some point. We can also falsely base our identity on our physical image, on how fit we are or how unfit we don't think we are. We can project our appearances on social media that create an image of our identity. And we can even misplace our identity in things like uh, the things that we love, like a sports team that either is successful or, or a failure, or certain music or movies or even video games. And so we can easily place our identity in wrong things. And when we look to the wrong places for our identity, it's like looking into those mirrors at the carnival, you know, the ones that are in the funhouse, that, that when you look into the image, it, all you see is this distorted image that comes back to you. It's, it's twisted. And yet when we turn to God's Word, we can see clearly in God's Word who God is, but also God's Word is like a, this, this really crystal clear mirror that gives us a true image of who we are. And our identity as believers is not based in what we do or what we haven't done or on what others say about us, but our identity as Christians is based on what God has done and on who he says that we are in Christ. Our true identity doesn't come from these other sources, but comes from the person and the worth of Jesus Christ. Our identity is not based on temporary things, but on the eternal worth of God. With the remaining time, I just want to unpack uh, a little bit what our identity is in Christ. Um, you know, again, I want to say we cannot have true knowledge of ourselves without having knowledge of God. I'm not going to go into a lot of detail about that, but I would encourage you, if you want to learn more, go back to Pastor Doug's first message on April the 19th. I thought he really did an awesome job explaining that. But I will kind of just say it this way to sum it up, that, that Jesus Christ is God in flesh. That Jesus is the earthly revelation of who God is. And that if we want to know about God, if we want to know about how to have a relationship with God and what God values, then we need to turn our focus to Jesus. We need to look to Jesus and we need to have a relationship with Jesus. That's how we know God and can have a relationship with him. And when we see how much we need God, we can enter into our true and our amazing identity that's shaped by God. And our union with Christ is central to our identity. Through our union with Christ, we realize we're absolutely dependent 
upon Christ. And we can see this and feel this, especially during the last couple of months, that, that we are dependent upon God. Christ is the ultimate source of life and strength and salvation and, and redemption. And did you know that the Apostle Paul used the phrase, in Christ, 25 times in the New Testament? In fact, the theme, the, the idea of unity with Christ is used in some form or fashion over 162 times in the New Testament. This is a central theme of, of, of the Bible, especially in the New Testament. We better pay attention to what does it mean to be united with Christ and what does our identity uh, reveal about when we are, are united with Christ. Uh, the beauty of the theme is that when we're united with Christ, that everything that's true about Christ is true about us as well. Paul tells us in Romans chapter 6 that we are united with Christ in his life, in his death, and in his resurrection. And Paul goes on and tells us in another place that if we're a follower of Christ, that we literally belong to Christ. And I want to read from John chapter 15, verses 1 through 9, uh, in this text that I want to look at in the message. And I think it's a beautiful passage Jesus is speaking to his disciples, and they're in the upper room at the Last Supper. He's just told them that he's going to go away, he's going to leave them, and they're anxious about that. And I think this is a great passage to look at, knowing that we're in an anxious place right now. We don't know what the future looks like. Um, There's uncertainty. And so I think these words can speak to us just as clearly today as they did to the disciples 2,000 years ago. Again, Jesus had told them that he was leaving them. He's going away, but then he also told them, that they will continue to be united with him even though he's going away. And so as I read this passage, I want you to pay attention to how many times the word uh, remain is used in the passage. Or if you're using a different translation, it might be the word abide. But both words really significant. So let's read this passage. It'll be on the screen. Again, John chapter 15, starting in verse 1. This is what Jesus says. He says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me and and that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. And such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, So I have loved you, and now remain in my love. And so in this passage, Jesus is using the image of the grapevine and the branches to emphasize our dependence upon him for life and for purpose. And I believe this passage strongly reinforces for us that our purpose in life flows from our identity in Christ. That knowing who I am in Christ informs what I'm to do with the rest of my life, the purpose of my life. And the branch's identity and its connection to the vine, that apart from the vine, the branch has no life. It has no use, useful purpose. Think about the job of the branch. All it does is, is be an extension of the vine. It doesn't have to produce life. It just receives life from the vine. It, it literally 
doesn't have to decide what kind of fruit it's going to produce. The, the life flows from the vine to the branch, and the branch just automatically produces the fruit that the vine is. The life is in the vine. The, the vine does it all. The vine extends its roots into the soil, and it, it receives its nutrients, the water from the soil. And then it passes those things on in, in sap, in, in, in energy to the branch that, that allows that branch then to produce the fruit. It's just impossible for a branch to function as a vine. The branch doesn't have life unto itself. It's totally dependent on the vine for its life and its productivity. And sometimes in life we get these things backwards. We think that our identity and our purpose is based on what we do. But in reality what Jesus is saying is, no, I want your identity to be rooted in, my, in your relationship with me. That you're to, you're to remain in me and out of this relationship, this intimate relationship with me, that you're going to find your identity, you're going to discover your life, and that all of that is going to inform your purpose and going to help you to understand what you're called to do. Jesus says if we rely on him, if we, re, if we remain in him, which is repeated so many times in this passage, that our life is going to be abundant, it's going to be good, and we're going to bear fruit uh, for him. He's also the source of our lives and our identity. We need to remain in Him. We must not move away from Him. God created us with a need for connection. The primary need that we have for connection is with God, but also with others. But the branch cannot be disconnected from the vine. Once it's disconnected, we've lost the meaning and the purpose of life. And just as our identity is united with remaining in Christ, our purpose flows out of being connected to Christ, the vine. And there's a purpose for your existence, and that's to bear fruit for God's glory. Verse 8 sums this up well. It says, this is to be my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. To glorify our God is the purpose of our life, and we do that by bearing fruit, you know, like things like good works and and, in doing his will, and it includes a good testimony as well. Ephesians 2, verse 10 This is what Scripture says. It says that we are His workmanship. We are God's workmanship, God's masterpiece, literally, created in Christ Jesus for good works. So we're a masterpiece created by God in Christ, and our purpose comes out of that, and that's to do good works. And so what we do flows from our relationship from Christ, and our identity begins with our connection with Christ. And what we do flows from that primary relationship. So when our identity is rooted in Christ and his love for us, then we just naturally begin to understand our purpose in life. And I love to see people who come to faith in Christ and be able to observe how Christ's love and his power begins to transform their lives. And as they begin to understand what it means to abide with him and to be in a close relationship with him and to begin to experience a changed identity and the newness of their identity and also a purpose for life, it's just so awesome to see that happen. And and I want to invite us this morning, we've got a testimony from a member of our church, Paul Kiefer, who's going to share his own faith story, just kind of how that transformation has taken place in his life. So let's watch this video faith story. My wife, Peggy, and I started coming to First Covenant back in 2013. Growing up was was difficult for me. I didn't have the, the best childhood. My mother and my father divorced when I was just a young, young baby. Uh, so my mom raised my brother and I for the first 10 years of our lives. And uh, that was tough, you know, not having a father figure around. And my mom was pretty, pretty strict. And I had problems measuring up to her standards a lot. So... 
Growing up was was kind of hit and miss for me. Um, we would go to church, you know, maybe two weeks in a row, and then it might be three months before we go again. So it was really hard to to keep that momentum up um, and, and have a strong uh, faith center. So just real, real inconsistent uh, nurturing of faith. My mom remarried when I was 10. It was about that time that my mom's health really started deteriorating, uh, both physically and, and mentally. It, it ended up where, where I was really looking after my brother and sister more than you know an older brother probably should. And my, my mom was addicted to prescription drugs and she was an alcoholic. That was kind of the, the main focus of her her world was was making sure that she had she had those things and she was in and out of mental institutions for a uh, good good five years or so and uh, things just kept deteriorating she'd be gone uh, checked into mental hospital for months at a time and finally when I was 15 she committed suicide and of course that uh, that's a, a devastating blow to the family and you know, even as bad as things were, uh, you know, that, that made things much worse and really broke the family and uh, kind of started my life over again. And I was fortunate enough to meet, meet Peggy in the Army and we married when I was, when I was 19. We've been married for over 20 years now. I, I felt like I, I didn't really have like a close family of my own. I'd uh, come home with Peggy uh, from the Army and and we'd visit with her family and this real tight-knit family and, and I really I really wanted that. Throughout the, most of my, my early adulthood, um, I, I struggled with that. I began to struggle with, with depression. I should have been happy, but for some reason I felt hopeless. Uh, things were, you know, getting bad enough. I really felt kind of worthless and I just, I didn't understand what was going on. I, I just felt a big, big hole in my life and, you know, really started searching at that point. When, when we started having children back in 2011, when Madison was born, it kind of hit a, a peak for me, and I really started to panic because I didn't know how to parent. I didn't didn't have a, a role model growing up to, to really model that for me, to, to know, you know, how do I parent uh, successfully. So it was at that point that uh, Peggy and I were fortunate enough to get an invitation to come to, to First Covenant, and we did. We, we've been coming ever since, and we committed ourselves to Christ and uh, were baptized. Through that transition, um, I no longer had that feeling of sadness about not having a close-knit family because I knew I was part of God's family. I felt valued and, and my priorities started shifting. Uh, I became part of the Ironman ministry group and helped start started serving others. And I, and I realized that at one point, after I had given myself back to God and really started to, to identify problem areas in my life and reevaluate what was important to me, I realized that I, I had this perfect model of what a father is all along, and, and it just hit me one day. And once I made that connection, I, I was really I was no longer afraid of parenting. It made me a, a better husband. It made me a better person. God really used my hurt from my childhood to, to better the kingdom. Um, I never would have thought that I'd end up in children's ministries, but uh, somehow I found myself uh, teaching on, on Wednesday nights and on Sunday mornings to fifth and sixth graders. And uh, you know, I'm just really able to use my background uh, to, to help children identify uh, needs that they have. And, and I just feel really passionate about making sure that I can do 
what I'm able to make sure they don't go through some of the same issues that I did growing up. You know, if you were to ask me 10 years ago where I'd be, wouldn't be mentoring uh, kids. But that's that was God's path for me. It just feels natural, and I just, just love uh, being able to identify with some of the problems that the kids are going through. And I, I think I'm able to help them out because I've, I've gone through through so many difficult situations myself. Uh, it's kind of kind of where I'm at, and uh, that's my faith story. It's so awesome to see and hear Paul's uh, story, his faith story, just to see how his his life has been transformed by his relationship to Christ, how his identity has shifted, how, uh, how he even understands his purpose. And now he's serving kids, even in our children's ministry, and just passionate about it, intentional about it, and really making a difference. I just want to share a few more verses from the New Testament to help you see how our, identif- how our identity is formed and transformed by our relationship to Christ and how our union with Christ in that union that we discover our purpose for life. The first passage is from 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 17, 18, and 20. This is what God's Word says. It says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us, We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. And so in just this passage, we learn that our identity, that we have a new identity, that our old self, our old identity is gone, and now that when we are in Christ, we have a new identity in Christ. And then our purpose that God tells us, he gives us the message of reconciliation, and that he has called us to be his ambassadors who take that message of reconciliation to others, to be able to share them with them about who Christ is and what he's done for us. I'm going to invite you to look at 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. And this is who we are in Christ. It says, But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you are, may declare the praises of him who called you out of the darkness and into his wonderful light. And so in Christ, we see from this verse, we know that we're chosen by God. We know that we are royal priests through Christ's righteousness. We know that we are holy, again, through Christ's righteousness, and that we are God's special people. And our purpose is that we, all these things happen so that we might declare the glory, the praises, and the glory of God who brought us out of darkness and into light. The last verse I want us to look at is John chapter 1, verse 12. It says, Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And so our identity in Christ is that we become children of God. Once we were enemies, once in sin, we were disobedient. But now we're children of God because of who we are in Christ. And our purpose in this verse says basically that we're to live out faithfully and honorably uh, as his children with all the rights and the privileges and the responsibilities of being the children of God, being the child of the king. You know, when I was growing up, my dad had a job for quite a while. He was the president and general manager of a large radio station group in the state of Kansas. The owner of that radio station group was a well-known man uh, that, at that time. His name was, or he, he was Governor Alf Landon. He was the former governor of the state of Kansas. And even he, in 1936, he was the Republican nominee uh, in, the, in the race for the presidency, in, again in 1936, against President uh, Roosevelt. Obviously, he didn't win. Uh, President Roosevelt did. Uh, by the time my dad worked for uh, Governor Landon, he was well into his 80s, and uh, he was living in what I would describe as a mansion in Topeka. It was a huge, huge home. 
And you need to understand this about the radio station. The building that the radio station was in was divided in half. Half of the building was all the radio's operations. The other half of the building, though, was a rather large office and library that was the governor's office and library. And I had the opportunity to meet Governor Landon on a number of occasions. The first time was in his large office. My dad took him down, to, took me down to his office, introduced me to Governor Landon. And, uh, and I was just really impressed with his office because not only was it rather large, but he had all of the political cartoons from the 30s. Uh, when he ran in the, the presidential race, he had all the memorabilia from that race in his office. And I was just fascinated by all this historical stuff. And Governor Landon was re- intrigued, I think, by my fascination. And he told me that I was welcome to come into his office anytime I wanted to. In fact, he said, even if I'm not here, feel free to come in and look around and enjoy being in my office. And on Saturdays, my dad would usually go in and work for at least half a day. And, and sometimes I would go in and do some things and run some errands and help him out around uh, the radio station, and, and in the fall, I actually helped with a football call-in scoreboard show that, that was before the Internet, where you actually had to call into the radio station to learn what the football scores were. And there'd be times, though, that I would be, get bored when I was at the radio station, and then I would wander into Governor Landon's office and just be enthralled by all this historical stuff. And one Saturday morning when I was in his office, his personal secretary came into the office. I don't, she didn't know who I was, but I knew who she was. But she asked me, who are you? What are you doing in here? And I told her that I was uh, Russ Gibson's son, and you know he was the president of the radio station group. And she said, well, that doesn't matter. You still don't belong in here. You should leave. And I then told her that I was a friend of Governor Landon and that he had personally given me an invitation to come into his office anytime I wanted to and that she could call Governor Landon if she wanted to confirm that. And I don't think she believed me because she called Governor Landon. And he answered the phone, and he confirmed that, yes, it was okay for me to be in, in his office. And my relationship to the governor gave me privileges that I didn't deserve. And I just want to end with this thought that, you know, I want to encourage us, don't go looking in the wrong places for affirmation for identity. Don't listen to voices who tell us that when we are in Christ, that we're not worthy of God's love or to be a child of God. That as a follower of Christ, that that for some reason that God can't accept you or that there's something that you've done that, that makes you not worthy that you don't measure up, that our identity when we're a follower of Christ is firm in Christ, that we don't deserve it, we can never earn it, but Christ has made it possible for us to have every right and privilege to be a child of God. And I want to encourage us to root our identity in Christ, that we remain and we abide with Christ and in his love and stay united with Christ and to look to his word for the truth of who we are and what our identity is in Christ. Don't get caught up in striving or for God's love and for his approval. There's nothing that we can do that will increase God's love for us. There's nothing that we have done or will do that would cause his love to diminish toward us. That, and then again, don't listen or don't go looking for affirmation in other people or in other things. Simply remain in his love and allow his spirit to speak into your life and to your purpose in Christ. Let me pray. Father, we thank you. Thank you, God, that our identity is clear and we are in Christ and that Christ uh, is the one who makes us worthy and that our value is determined by Christ's worth and Christ's value and in who you say we are. God, help us to remain in you, to be close to you, that your voice uh, be the thing that speaks into our life. And that's all that we need to pay attention to. God, we pray that you would uh, continue to help us root our identity in you. Lord, help us to remember that when we abide closely with you, that your Spirit's going to lead us naturally into our purpose in life. 
Help us to trust that we can focus on abiding with you and that your Spirit's going to lead us into our purpose and in what we're called to do. And I pray this in Christ's name. Amen.